0: Welcome to the Equipping Podcast. My name's Karen and I'm here with my co-host. <laughs> hey, listen, it's been a while since I've done that and I couldn't remember what we normally say.
1: So you guys need to understand that when we do these intros and outros, we record them, we record a lot of them at once. And so they get super repetitive because we pretty much say the s- same thing every time. And so we've tried, we tried mixing it up a couple of times. Like, But how else do you do an intro or outro? I don't
0: know. Uh, all right. <laughs> This is the equipping podcast.
1: Because <laughs> you have to say, like, who we yeah, are, who we are, and, and what, it is. what it is, and stuff like that.
0: All right. New way to do it. Who
1: are we? Oh, nice. We're, we're. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. Epic fail. I
1: just had an identity crisis.
0: <laughs> he didn't know how to answer it. <laughs> that was embarrassing. Uh,
1: that's, that's awesome. Well, I was gonna say we're the equipping podcast, because that's really easy, <laughs> but that's what we do. So like, but if you've never listened to this before, then there's a church in Dallas, Texas that we're a part of called Watermark Community Church. Non-denominational non-dom. Uh, non-dom, no denomination affiliation. And we have an equipping team. And the equipping team's role is to ...serve the body through Bible studies and curriculums and equipping courses and...
0: Podcasts.
1: And a podcast. That's right. And so that's who we are.
0: And my name's Karen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Nathan.
0: This is a train wreck. Hey,
1: you know what? I like it because it's different. All so right. What are we doing today? We're going to keep talking to Christy Schermack, who helps run the Watermark Urgent Care Clinic and rachel butterfield who is an icu nurse here in dallas it's gonna be great We're back this week with Christy Shermack. Hello. What up? What up? And ICU COVID nurse Rachel Butterfield. What's up, Rachel? Hello. Thanks for being back with us.
2: Thank you for she having never me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> COVID right. Someone nurse. Someone can take it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody want this? If you haven't listened to last week's episode, we encourage you to do so. But if somebody's jumping on with us just now, then uh, Christy, why don't you just Summarize for us kind of what that conversation looked like, and then we'll launch into some of the things we're going to cover on this episode.
3: For sure. We just talked a little bit about uh, the global impacts of a pandemic. Everybody has walked through a traumatic year, some in different ways, but there's been loss across the board and even expectations, loss of life, loss of financial gain, loss of security, loss of education. I mean, everything has been hit this year. And so we just talked about some of the reality of that. And then specifically in our context, um, just shouldering the burden of the healthcare piece of this. And so what is that? What toll has that taken? Um, And hopefully some ways to learn from us that, hey, we're not superhuman. This has been really hard. There are things that we've had to do to stay sane in the middle of it. Just for some context on that, Rachel is in the ICU watching people die regularly. She's the person in the room with the iPad helping them say goodbye to their family members. That is a heavy space to be in. You can't treat that like you went to the mall and bought, you know, a pretzel and went home. Mm-hmm. Like that is not a normal day in the life of a human being. On my end, decision fatigue and leading on behalf of a team, like that had a mental impact on my brain. I started forgetting things in different ways, like It was just a hard time. That is not normal. You're not usually making that many decisions in one day with that rapid fire change. We would be showing up at 830 making decisions for 11. Like Mm. that was the pace of the changes that we were walking through. And so, hey, that's not normal. How do we handle that? How do we opt out when we need to opt out? You know, so yeah, that's a little bit of what we talked about last time, just the toll of it. Seeing God work in the middle of it. He has not been slowed down by a pandemic. If anything, it's refined us and made us look more and more like His son. And that's been beautiful, but also hard. And then hopefully we're going to get to share a little bit about what practically some of that's looked like.
0: So I think a question that I have and maybe some question that other people have is just how do we take an inventory of ourselves? So everybody's been affected in some way. My situation is obviously going to be drastically different than an ICU nurse who's been in the thick of it, but everybody's been impacted. And so what does it look like to do some self-reflection? What does it look like to take an honest, deep look into your own life and figure out, Hey, how has this affected me? And where is there unhealth that I need to address?
3: I think the first thing is we need to actually carve out time for it. Um, we live in such a fast paced culture, I mean, it is tempting to want to be a Rambo, right? And be like, this didn't bother me. I'm fine. You know, I I mean, we tend to like rank our grief against each other or rank our trauma against each other. It's like, well, that person has it worse. So I'm fine. What am I even worried about? And so I think the first thing is to acknowledge, and I've loved some of the past guests you guys have had. Um, Dr. Kurt Thompson on here talked a lot about the emotional side of your brain. Like we need to acknowledge God designed us to have some emotions, and so we need to like actually deal with them Mm. and respond to them because if we don't, it starts to come out sideways. So I think the very first part of it is carve out some space. Like we're at a one-year marker of this thing. Great timeline to sit down and reflect and to ask and to work backwards. How has this affected me? Yeah,
1: I would encourage you guys to go back and listen to the two episodes that we did specifically with John Coe, where he talks about what an honest and just raw prayer life should Mm. look like and how that should be normative for all believers. Mm-hmm. And so um, go back and listen to those. The second episode is Tell God the Truth, He Loves You, mm-hmm. and um, I can't so, remember the name of the first one, but that'll get you there. Yeah. So and go back and listen to those.
0: It's so simple to like take the time to do it, but we don't slow down, one. Mm-hmm. And two, we tend to think emotions are bad. Mm-hmm. So any kind of emotion that is not a positive, quote-unquote, <laughs> emotion is Stuff bad it. and so yeah suppress it <laughs> and we don't know how to handle it in a yeah. healthy way we don't know what to do with grief we don't know what to do with loss we don't know how to mm-hmm. process and so even just taking the time to figure out what's there yep. it's- great. Mm -hmm.
3: A couple things we did as a clinic team just to make sure that this was at the forefront for us. We actually have sat down and timelined out the last year of our lives and putting some of the markers in there like, okay, this is when Dallas shut down. This is when we saw a surge in the summer. This is, and putting some of those markers and then actually going backwards and thinking through what were you doing? What were you feeling during that time? That's a very real tool for experiencing trauma. Being able to talk through your story is part of the healing process and something happens in the brain where you condense time when you're in trauma, time right. gets off. That's why we all felt like all of last year was March, right? Mm-hmm. We all, we're <laughs> in the month of March for 10 months. Yeah. And we're uh, still there. <laughs> and surprise, we're <laughs> back. Uh,
1: <laughs> Wait, it's still March. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, but being able to spread some of that out and space out emotions and feelings and putting words connecting to some of those events was really helpful for us. Another tool that we've used that we use to communicate about what is health in general in our clinics, we talk about healthy homes, and this is just a picture to put in our minds, but a lot of healthcare orgs will talk about health as a sliver of the pie in your life. And spiritual health is one sliver in that whole pie, we would say, hey, no, spiritual health is the foundation of your healthy home. And if that's off, then the walls you build on it are going to be off. Mm. So attend to that. So that's one category, spiritual health. And then the four walls around it would be your mental, emotional, physical, and social health.
2: Mm. And then
3: you need to tend to those walls. And then the roof that keeps you safe from the storm is the daily practice of them. And so, if you're thinking through how do I take an inventory, you could ask yourself questions around those five areas. Hey, what does it look like for me spiritually this past year? Have I stopped going to church? Am I still committed to a small group of people living out the one another's of Scripture? Am I in the Bible? Am I worshiping the Lord? What does my prayer life look like? What does fasting looked like for me? Like asking about spiritual disciplines in your life, and then tackling those other four walls. Hey, how has my emotional health looked over the course of the last year? My physical health, my social, and my mental, mm. and like even rating them. Hey this time last year was I an eight on one and now I'm a three. Okay. I probably need to spend some time focusing in on that one.
1: Yeah, for sure. One, one of the things that was interesting is you were uh, talking about the brain, uh-huh. which is part of my dissertation work just from a neurological standpoint is, you know, when you're able to step away from a situation, examine it, differentiate from it, examine it as a whole Then it literally allows, like you said, it literally allows Mm -hmm. for your brain to integrate the stuff that's kind of stuck in your limbic Mm -hmm. part of your brain, right? And you're able to look at it and then tell a narrative about, okay, this is what has happened. Then you're able to start to assign language around your emotions. And as you do that, it works itself out where you're you're able to experience those things you're able mm-hmm. to call them what they are yep. you know as opposed to just everything mm-hmm. all of it at the same time constantly yep. you know and for so months. that's a for for months and a year yep. you know yep and so i think finding a way like what you just said a process to be able to do that is what allows that integration mm-hmm. to happen neurologically in your brain mm-hmm. so that you can move beyond it
3: I think one of the reasons the healthcare community has felt isolated to some degree this year is because for months all we could say was it's hard. Mm-hmm. Like we did not have other words around it. It was this is hard, this is hard, this yep. is hard. For me personally, it took until November to get another word out of my brain other than hard. Yep. And so
1: I think about a symphony. You know, whenever you uh, a symphony is warming up. Have you all ever been to yeah. like oh, the yeah. Meyer Center or whatever? It sounds like yeah. a
3: train wreck.
1: <laughs> it totally does. Like the French horn. It's like <laughs> 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 <Up is> wow. <what?
0: laughs> <laughs> Is that what we're, you now sounded we're like, out. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but when they're warming up, it's like it's just loud noise, yeah. and you're like, uh, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, on a date, the girl's looking at the guy like, what? You know, um, and it's just loud, and then it's able to quiet down, and then then you're able to recognize as they start to play the movements, mm-hmm. it, it's beautiful, mm-hmm. but you have to allow that yes. process to yep. play itself out. Yep. So it feels like for a while last year there was just a really loud noise. Yes. And now we're starting to like mm. hear the music of it. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. and if you're out there thinking like I don't know how to identify my emotions, something I've personally used that's really helpful is called a feelings chart. So <laughs> Google that. <laughs> <laughs> and truly, it'll put things like angry, and it'll yes. actually attach real emotions yeah. for you. So that, you're is, stuck, yes. that is stuff.
3: That is no helpful. small advice. We use that on the regular. I use staff it. Meetings. Yeah. Everyone has a feeling wheel somewhere in their Bible on our team. You yep.
0: see, it's a real thing. I <laughs> <Yeah>. feel validated.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you should.
2: We
1: have them hanging in our house. <laughs> Yeah. How do you feel like this?
3: <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's, that's where freedom came, right? Yeah. All of a sudden now I was saying things like, hey, I have felt betrayed. I have felt sad. Mm-hmm. I am grieving. Mm-hmm. Like that is a different way to be heard and understood by now. My community group can be like, oh my gosh, we get that hard the, yeah. over and over again. <laughs> you can't really yeah. respond to. And so I think, individuals who have had a hard year like we need to do some of that work to be able to show up and let others love us better Mm. by giving them a different word than it's hard it's difficult Yep, that's good
0: that's good rachel what about you how is (laughs) inventorying you know what i'm going with it i'm not even gonna let you edit that out how has that looked in your life
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i am one of those people that doesn't like emotions how
1: do you feel about that (laughs)
2: I've started using a feeling wheel but yeah so I think for a lot of healthcare workers a lot of people in general I would say not just healthcare workers in the last year but a lot of people whose kind of whole job was flipped on their head I also mm-hmm. think about my really good friends who are teachers um, and my mom is in education and so for the first six months or Eight. I don't even know at this point, honestly. <laughs> like sometimes it still feels like, still at a year later. You were just in survival mode, so I would encourage people. It's okay if you're having to be in survival mode. Like you don't have to be in a place yet because you don't have time to slow down. At least for me, it was for the first six to eight months, probably through the fall of 2020, it was like, we just have to go, go, go because there's so much happening. There's so much changing. We're just dealing with so much at work. I'm having so many patients, especially when Dallas was surging, especially through the winter. It's like, you don't have time to sit down and process an inventory. And what am I feeling? Or why does this make me sad? Or like, why am I so tired? Because if you do, it's so much at one time that you can't keep getting up and doing what you have to do. And so for me, it's taken a while for me to be one willing to sit down and be like, I have to make the time for this because I don't really want to, because I don't want to relive all of these things Mm -hmm. and all these feelings that I'm very good at stuffing down and compartmentalizing because that's just how you keep going. You're like, I Um, locked them away. They stay there. They're fine. Um, but When I started noticing that they were just affecting every aspect of my life and affecting just my response to things that normally wouldn't irritate me or normally wouldn't make me frustrated or when I'm just really exhausted or really sad, I'm like, why is this thing on my day off making me really sad? It was like, okay, this is like, it's time to start figuring out what it looks like to process that. And I still don't have that figured out all the way. Um, And so for me, it is sometimes journaling. It is sometimes like having to physically write out things that are like, this is what's bothering me. I don't know why, or I don't know why I'm feeling this. And then other times it's reaching out to people that I know are walking through similar things. So usually that's other healthcare workers that are also believers and being able to talk through that. And so that inventory process is not fun. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't really like it because it does bring up a lot of things that you stuff down because you don't want to feel them in the first place, but still figuring it out because there are days where I'm like, we can do this. We could talk through these things that it's going to be okay. And then there's other days where I'm like, yeah, no, I'd rather just sit on my couch and watch Netflix because that's just a lot easier than yeah. pressing into these things that have been affecting me for the last 12 months.
0: I think you make a good point of, hey, once you inventory things, like there's now this heap of stuff yeah, that you have to deal It doesn't just go with. away. Yeah, and like, so it's like, it adds yeah. like
2: 20 more things that you have to figure out and process You're through. Like, and so it's like... I'm already tired. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so it's a great segue
0: into what do you do with that stuff? So now you've taken the time, you've assessed your life, you've, you've looked at, hey, where am I not healthy? And you've
2: created a list. And now what?
3: Mm-hmm. Pick one thing.
2: Yeah, <laughs> start with one thing and... If that's all you can do, then that's all you can do for the day or for a week. That's okay.
3: (laughs) So, like, in, I guess it was November, we did a steps challenge on our staff team, and that was healing in a way. Because it was like, all of a sudden, now we're focusing on get outside, walk around, do something that is active, like it was no longer, this is hard, this is hard. It was like, oh, I'm competing with this guy over here and he's got 10,000 steps today. I want to get 11,000. So like picking that one thing for our team to refocus on. Walking is a healthy coping mechanism. Exercise is a healthy coping mechanism in moderation, right? Being outdoors is a healthy coping mechanism. So like there are things that the Lord rhythms in our lives that the Lord has asked us to follow and a health that he has asked us to to submit ourselves to that is going to help us Mm. so that you can show up in your next shift and sit across from another person that is really, really ill. And so I think working on some of those things one by one, building healthy rhythms helps out.
0: Even the word coping I like, has a negative connotation (laughs) Mm -hmm. to it, right? Of something that I shouldn't be doing or it's a bad thing. And so can you speak to that maybe a little? Like, is coping okay?
3: So I think coping is wrong if you're avoiding something by it. And then there are bad ways to cope and good ways to cope. So I can certainly tell when it's like, hey, I need to sit down with the Lord and hear from him. And it's like, I don't want to do that. So instead I'm going to go do this other thing over here. That's bad. Like, that's just not going to help me. I'm going to be more exhausted at the end of it than refilled. But then there are specifically some things where it's like, Yeah, I'm just not emotionally recharging in a healthy way. I'm choosing to do the lazy version of it. So for me, bad coping this year has been turning to food and to my phone and like turning my brain off and scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Or, oh, if I have that one thing that tastes good, that'll like give me an emotional little jolt and I'll feel better. It's like, that's a lie. dopamine hit. Yeah, I mean, and that's, you know, going to not go well for me Mm. if that's the only thing I turn to. But there are other healthy ways to cope and to have rhythms and boundaries in your life that set you up for success when you're walking through difficult things. So for me, one of the things last year that was just so helpful was keeping a rhythm and there's, you know, neuroscience on this too of, hey, there. when we keep schedules in our life and rhythms in our life, this was what some of the people working from home really had to struggle with this year was all of a sudden your entire life bleeds into this one room and you don't have to get up, get dressed, leave, drive somewhere. Like you didn't have these transitions in your life anymore and that's not how we were meant to live. Like There is daytime for a reason. There is nighttime for a reason. There are seasons for a reason. God wove that into our creation. You have
1: legs for a reason.
3: You have legs for a reason. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You're not supposed to sit at the dining room table on your computer for 12 hours. Um, So Anyway, so finding ways to keep that while the world was chaotic and while rhythms were out of whack, finding my things that were like, no matter what, I'm going to do this. So every morning, I'm going to make sure this happens. Every evening, I'm going to make sure this happens. I had a gold journal that I had a check-in every month and my goals changed rapidly throughout the year like at the beginning it was all these big lofty things come april it was like read my bible was my goal see one friend was my goal but like having that rhythm of hey at the beginning of the month i'm going to set some goals i'm going to find healthy ways to cope and to deal with the emotions that i'm dealing with i've told my community group that really like helped me a lot this year yeah it's good
2: rachel what about for you Yeah, so I think because my job didn't go home, and so I still had some of those rhythms of I get up, I go to work, but having to do those on my days off as well, but totally different rhythms and trying to figure those out, I... I I consider not really OCD, but I just like like to get things done, and usually have a lot of goals, a lot of things to do on days off, and almost having to like go the opposite and give myself permission that hey, it's okay if you don't have the energy to do all of these things. You don't have to accomplish all of this on your days off, but keeping those rhythms that do refuel me and recharge me. So making sure that I'm reading my Bible in the morning when I wake up, journaling if I have time, getting outside, I'm especially. I mean, it's a blessing that the pandemic started in the springtime because like we weren't in 10 degree weather in the middle of a snowstorm. And so got to go outside on my days off because that's a safe thing to do to be outside in the warm spring air. And so walking and I love to run. That's just kind of what keeps me sane a lot of days because it gets a lot of energy out. And so just making sure I was still doing those things, even if I didn't really want to, because I knew they were good for my body, for physically and my mental health. Finding those friendships and relationships that I knew like were safe spaces, even in the midst of a lot of things changing because I didn't have the energy to keep up with all of my friends, to keep up with all of my family, to keep up with all these relationships that I had prior to COVID entering our world. And so giving myself permission that, hey, it's okay if you only have time for a couple of people because that's the only capacity you have right now, but really still investing in those even when I didn't want to or didn't really have the energy because I knew that they would pour back into me as I'm pouring back into them. And so it kind of goes back to the whole like isolation, like we weren't meant to do life alone. And so finding ways to do that, even when you can't see people or you Mm -hmm. can't be in a group of more than three people at a time. And so...
1: It's interesting to me how stuff like this presses in on what's true about us all the time. And that is we're really limited creatures, Mm -hmm. right? I was talking to a buddy about this yesterday at lunch where... Sometimes we feel like, hey, I've got to keep going and keep going and keep going, but our bodies literally reject that. They literally go, "No, yeah, we're not doing that, mm-hmm. and we'll start to shut down. And I think that that's why the Lord is going, "Hey, you're limited. And I've also told you guys to rest. <laughs> like I really I force you to do it every day when the sun goes down and your body goes to sleep. But even in in that rhythm of sleep, that cycle, where your body's renewing itself, the Lord's also going, hey, once a week, I want you to stop and just recognize that you're not God. Mm-hmm. I mean, we should recognize we're not God every day, right? <laughs> but, <laughs>
3: just one but, uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but on the Sabbath, it's an intentional rhythmic mm-hmm. practice of reorienting whatever areas of our lives where we actually do believe that we're God mm-hmm. or that we're God-like And stopping Mm -hmm. and intentionally going, wait a minute, I can't save everybody. I can't be all things for all people. And so I just need to stop. Mm -hmm. And I need to look at God and go, you're God and I'm not. Mm -hmm. And I trust you. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to slow down and I'm going to stop. And that looks different for different people. I think one of the things you talked about that I identified with earlier, Rachel, is where you were saying, man, I can go and go and go. And even in my days off, I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, okay. And it's like, hey, I think that's where the Lord presses in and goes, hey, no, slow down, stop. Mm-hmm. And there's something really liberating about that. When you when you finally begin to live into the reality that, oh, whew, I don't have to be God. I don't have to mm-hmm. do what only God can do. Mm-hmm. So it's good.
3: I think in um, healthcare, first responders, service-based professions, that's the ditch, right? Yep. It's that we're going to think we are the solution mm-hmm. and we're just going to serve, serve, serve until we die. And so that's one of the things that we're often leaning in with our people is like, hey, God did not design you to do that. Mm-hmm. It's not your fault if your hospital is understaffed. Yep. You need to say no to that shift. You need to mm-hmm. go home, take a nap. Like you are not superhuman. right? Right. And so I think that's worth people yeah. taking seriously. Yeah.
1: And if you're in the room when people are drawing their last breaths, yep. At the end of the day, it's not my responsibility to yep. save yep. these people. I, I have a job to do. I'll do the best of my ability, and then it's in God's hands.
3: Yep. Mm-hmm. The Sabbath mindset is more than even just a day away. It from totally work. is. It's, yeah, yeah. Trusting yeah. the Lord with the everything, and especially the pieces that you wish you could do more. Yep, on. that's totally. Mm-hmm. yeah. So
0: I've, as I have been listening to y'all talk, I've heard the importance of uh, people in your life who you can process with. I've heard the importance of regular rhythms and. Physical exercise? Man, that can change. That's a game changer. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And even just getting outside. Mm -hmm. I've heard the importance of, hey, regular rhythm, set goals. What about for the person who's in a season of really tough grief? Maybe they've lost multiple family members to this. Maybe they lost their job and can't find another. Mm -hmm. And they're sitting there listening, thinking, I can't even brush my teeth.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. What about for those people? Is it a... Like, how do they healthily cope Mm -hmm. if they're stuck in that spot? Mm
3: -hmm. I think I'd want that person to first hear, God is with you. Mm -hmm. You're not alone. Um, He sees that you can't brush your teeth, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. He sees that you want to pull the covers back over your head, and that's okay. And then let's just listen to what he says for what each next little step is. There were some weekends where I just needed to cry, and that Mm -hmm. was what the faithful next step looked like for me, right? So for that person, it might be, hey, you are in a time where all you need to do is allow yourself to be sad and feel that deeply, reach out to the people that love you, help them to understand that you need to feel that deeply, and then we'll trust him with each little next step.
1: I think that statement you just made, reach out to other people, is critical, Mm -hmm. right? Because the danger for somebody who is in that spot like Karen was describing, is to uh, isolate, Mm -hmm. to double down on, I mean, some people are debilitated to the point where they're like, I I don't even know what to do. I I can't move. I can't brush my teeth. I think other people feel probably some guilt and shame around it, where they're like, I do feel like this, but I'm not supposed to. And so I'm afraid to tell anybody. And the danger in all of that is to go, well, just continue to, double down, mm. keep going, try as hard as you can. Don't tell anybody. And that's really dangerous. Mm. I mean, that's where the enemy is coming in and going, mm. hey, you can't say that, mm. you know, because I think the Lord is going not. You're supposed to say this. I've given you provision through other people. Like Galatians 6 says, carry one another's burdens. And in doing that, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so there are times, uh, there have been multiple times in my life where I have not been able to carry my own burden and other people came along and helped me do it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's really critical for anybody who's dealing with this kind of trauma mm-hmm. to go, hey, it's okay. Like I loved what you said, Christy, you know, it's okay. He sees you. He's not mad. He's not disappointed. He's not, like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. But... He's given us provision, so we need to take advantage
3: of that. Yeah, and the church wants to help. Yep. Raise your hand. Yep. Tell someone you love. They'd love to walk through it with you. For sure. And if you are not that person and you're a part of the church, go find that person and love them well. Yep.
0: So what does that look like, loving them well? So if we're on the other side of that and mm-hmm. that's our friend mm-hmm. or uh, we have friends in the healthcare field. What does it look like in this season to love people well?
3: I think a lot of listening— lamenting together, grieving together. Right now, our culture more and more tries to make us enemies of one another and convictions and differences and politics are twined all throughout it. And so the temptation, and I have felt this temptation, is to want to walk into a conversation and be right. And I want to tell the person why they're wrong and why they're handling the pandemic wrong and all the details of how I can convince them that that's true. And over and over again, I see in scripture that that is not the call in my life. The call in my life is kindness. The call in my life is loving and serving those around me. The call in my life is to be meek. And so I would say, do those things. Show up, listen, ask. Ask the like detailed question. Don't let them sit in the, it's hard. Like say, tell me more about why it's hard. What did you see this week that was difficult? What did you go home and like stuff your tears about? Let them say those words out loud to someone that's going to listen. And then just identify with them, lament with them. We see all throughout the Psalms, just multiple times where David is lamenting before the Lord, where the other Psalmists are lamenting before the Lord. There's something very appropriate about Mm -hmm. that, where we don't have to fix it. We're not gonna have a solution. Part of this conversation, we don't have solutions. Like we are still very much so in the thick of it. And this is just literally how we are surviving today. And so- Do that with them. Don't try to fix it for them. Don't slap a scripture bandaid on it. Just sit with them in the grief. Allow them to be sad. Remind them God is in control in the sadness, and that we are there with them. Mm, So
0: it's really helpful. So if there is one thing you want our listeners to hear before we sign off, how would you encourage them? What would you tell them? What do you want them to take away?
1: Make checks payable (laughs) to
3: Venmo. Give
2: me a raise. (laughs) Just kidding.
3: I have two takeaways. That's great. Two takeaways. The first would be if you are seeing someone struggling, find one way to serve them. I mean, for healthcare workers, we laughed about it earlier. They are not the best at asking for help. They don't invite it. So show up, do a doorstep drop off of a small gift you think will bring them a smile, take care of a meal for them, ask them to coffee, ask the hard questions, let them talk. We talked about the impacts of isolation, like They're not getting to talk to a lot of people. So just be the one that lets them speak. If you know someone that has had significant loss in this last year, do the same thing for that person. So just find one thing to do for those around you. Um, We have ways you can do that through Watermark Health. If you're interested, you can email us at admin at watermarkhealth.org. We know some of the healthcare workers in our body. If you're one of them that we don't know, I'd also love to hear from you. Shoot us an email and we'd love to connect with you and find ways to support you through this. But... We can help mobilize you in that direction if that is something you're interested in. But I also adventure to guess, you know, somebody that has experienced loss this year. And so just start there. Don't worry about some formal program. Just go love whoever is in your network. And then I think similar to that, the second takeaway I would say is um, just what a time to be alive, church. Like that has been a little bit of our mantra. And if we can reframe our thinking towards that of like, this is hard and painful and difficult. But that should be when the church thrives the most. And there is a unique opportunity that we have today that we did not have two years ago to shine in our city and to look different in our city. And so I'd love to see us shift our thinking in that direction and deal appropriate with all the emotions we have so that we can go be a light in our city. Because that's going to be one of the most life-giving things to do. That's been the secret sauce, right? Is It's been painful, but we're still finding ways to see God at work. Mm, so that's cool. we haven't given up.
2: So I would say for people who want to help someone that they know is struggling or walking through a really hard season, kind of like what Chrissy said, just show up. I feel like not just healthcare workers, but a lot of people are just bad at asking for help anyway, because we feel bad about it or we feel like we shouldn't, or we should have it all together. So just go meet people where they're at, just show up. And if you know them really well, then be like... Hey, let's go get lunch. Hey, let's go for a walk. Or, how let me do something for you. Sometimes you don't even ask, just do it. Um, Because a lot (laughs) of times people say no. I will say no most of the time because I'm like, it's fine. I can handle it myself. And so, just listen to people, even when they're not talking to you, and you'll start to pick up on a lot of things that they need or that they're struggling with or they need to talk about or ways that you can just bless them. And then that usually leads to conversations that you can just keep loving them really well. And then, overall, I guess just that. Yes, it's been a very hard year, but I think it reminds me that one, and we've said this, that like, this is not home. And so like, we get to hold on to that hope that Jesus is going to come back someday, whether that's while we're still alive or in another hundred or 500 years or whatever that might be. I have learned over and over in the last year. Like I don't want to waste every opportunity, even when it's really, really hard when I don't have the words for it, when I don't have the emotional capacity to process it. Like I still don't want to waste that opportunity that the Lord's given me to love people, to meet them where they're at, to share the hope of the gospel because people in the last year, I think have realized how, broken our world is in a ways that they haven't before and are searching for something to hold on to are searching for something to hope in and we have that because we have the gospel. And so I don't want to waste that and miss out on getting to tell someone about Jesus because this year's been really hard for me, but I cannot imagine walking through it without knowing Jesus. And so whether it's because of a pandemic or because of something else that happens in your life, like use those opportunities to, share that hope that we have because of the Lord.
1: That's good. I think as you were talking, Rachel, I had the thought of one of the things, one of the primary things that is uniquely Christian is that our identity and and our hope is not in anything temporal. It's not in circumstances whether they're good or bad. You know, I mean, like Paul says in Philippians, he's like, hey, whether things are great or things are horrible, I'm Dining with kings or in chains in a prison. I can learn to be content in any situation because Christ is the one who gives me strength. He is the one who is with me. He's the one who stiffens my spine. And also in the midst of really hard things, gives me joy, mm-hmm. you know, because my purpose and identity and and, uh, and hope is not in those things. It's in the unshakable person of Jesus Christ. And that's the thing that it doesn't ever change. (laughs) That's the one sure foundation for all of this is that Jesus is in the middle of all of this, moving, teaching us, discipling us, making us more into his image, providing hope for people, providing strength in the midst of a really chaotic storm. And I think that that's the takeaway from all of this is that there can be years like this Mm -hmm. for like globally. And who knows what the future holds? I mean, there may be more of these. I think if the past is any instructor of the future, then there will be. So Jesus said, look, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world and I'm with you always. So Christy and Rachel, thanks for joining us for these two episodes. It's been really fun chatting with you guys.
3: Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you.
1: Awesome. So if you're listening to this and you don't know where to turn to, then you can always email us at equippingpodcast at watermark.org. Christy, you were talking about the email address you had.
3: Admin at watermarkhealth.org. We are launching support groups for healthcare workers. So if that's you and that would bless you, we'd love to get connected. Awesome. I love that.
0: Hey, Nathan. Yes, Karen. What does Jesus say about the way that the world will know his disciples? (sighs)
1: And so, as Karen just reminded me, one of the primary ways that the world is going to know that we are followers of Jesus is by the way that we love. And so, it's our prayer that the love of God would dwell in you richly as you bear witness to the sufficiency of Jesus in a really chaotic time. Thanks for listening to the Equipping Podcast. If you like what you heard, then... Help us get the word out by blasting it out over every single web resource that you have access to.
0: Yahoo. Google. Yahoo. MySpace. MySpace. Uh, So listen, it's been a while since I've been on the social.
1: Napster. (laughs) Napster. (laughs) That's awesome. Oh, we're so old. Yeah. It's crazy because uh, I totally used to download stuff from Napster, and I did have a MySpace page.
0: Yeah, you did. Who was your top one friend?
1: <laughs> oh, man. I don't even remember. I remember, though, those pages being like, they were heavy like music-driven, I think, initially. And I was like, what is this thing? And then that I became really cool when... In the early days of Facebook, Facebook actually decided that they would start to push it out to a bunch of different colleges and universities, and I finally got access to Facebook. That's why Finally. Yeah. And now Facebook is kind of like
0: Yeah, you're old. old.
1: (laughs) 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 Oh man. What the heck are we doing today? What
0: I think this is an end
1: no, this is an outro.
0: Yeah. This is Nathan's (laughs) nathan's <laughs> confused i derailed <laughs>
1: that's us true. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome so yeah uh push it out over all the social media stuff uh email us at equipping at watermark.org you guys have a great week peace
0: bye